Hey there, folks. Welcome back to the Uticast. This is episode number 64, and today we are talking with Caden Lauber and PJ Lang of Grime Co. Skateboards and Art Gallery. Plus, Kate Riley joins the show as we recap the wild weekend that was Maiden Utica's downtown get down. And Cliff Montoni is back as we talk about Hillary Clinton's pneumonia, Samsung's exploding phones, Nintendo, and once again, Colin Kaepernick. Welcome back, folks. We're happy to have you. It's the Uticast. It's because he's right here with me, and he's so strong with his takes. You Three can, out of you, ten. Yeah, I mean, Three out of ten. Come on. Like, they're not all winners. I'm tired. It's all right. I Kevin, understand. I'm tired. I understand. It's been we a, wouldn't be friends if I wasn't honest with you. That's very fair. No selling me on my on my no-build-up jokes. It's good to see you again, buddy. Welcome back. How are you doing this week? I'm doing great. Doing great. Are you as burned out as I am? Oh, man. It was a long weekend. <laughs> it's super, it was a long weekend. Super burned out. My head hurts. Uh, for those of you who haven't heard us talk about it enough on the podcast... Uh, the downtown get down took place last Saturday. Uh, I feel like it was a success. Do you feel like it was a success, Kev? I do. Uh, I feel like it, it seemed like it went really well. You know, I was stuck at work. We had that concert going on there all day. There mm-hmm. was preparations all day, but it looked like it went well. Mm-hmm. But I think after the downtown get down, neither of us have any business saying we're tired and burned out. No, it's very true. And we also have no concept for how good or bad this went because that really lies with the person who would know the answers. And that's Maiden Utica's finest, Kate Riley, who happens to be joining us here, also recovering hello, from the get-down. Oh, hello. Kate has all the answers. <laughs> As or I, always. Or I pretend I do. As anyway, always. I'm good enough at backing up my answers to make it seem like I know what I'm talking about. So, Kate, for as tired as Kevin and I are, please... You, you still look like you haven't totally recovered yet. You're looking Dude, a little exhausted. Oh, man, yeah. What a nice thing to say. I can tell. I've <laughs> known you. it for a long time. Thank we you. We can be honest Thank here. Thank you. Yeah. I am exhausted. But it's it's good exhaustion. It's, you know, I've worked my ass off and something really cool happened, exhaustion. So you, it's terrible. Well, I bring it up because uh, early in the day I had gone down to Bag Square and I wasn't, there wasn't that many people there. I'm like, oh, man, I hope they're not getting scared off by the rain. And I don't think it was until you and I went to the market and I looked around when I first felt like, okay, it seems like people are, are showing up yeah. and the weather held off, which was great. And then by the time we got back to Franklin Square, it really felt like it was going yeah. well. Do you think it was a success in terms of what we had hoped for? Oh, my God. I uh, Honestly, I was so worried that it was going to downpour. And, like, you know... Everyone's everyone kept asking me, "What are you gonna do if it rains?" And I was like, "Well, it's not gonna rain. It's just not. That's not happening." You know, you say that, but in the back of your head, you're like, "It's definitely gonna rain." Oh my god, the weather forecast is seventy percent. But um, I, I, uh, you know, you plan something, and it's never happened before, Mm. so you're just kind of wondering how it's gonna go, and 
I think it was beyond what I expected, yeah. actually. I was surprised at how much the community did get behind it. Like, I, I didn't I didn't even know we were in the paper until we were in the paper. I didn't know we were on the news until it was well, on the news. It was, you know, with, with every event that we've done as Made in Utica, you know, we keep taking leaps and going bigger and bigger with stuff. And this was probably the, the yeah. thinnest we've spread ourselves, the farthest we've tried to reach. This is probably the biggest, most ambitious thing I think maybe sure. that we've tried to do so far. So it's yeah. always, every time you step up, I think, in the scale of what you're doing, there's always that same old feeling like, oh, my God, is anybody going to come? Is, yeah. is anybody going to come? That was my worry. Are people going to be at Franklin Square? Even in the morning, yeah. you know, we went to the market and... Justin is getting out of the car, and he's like, I don't even want to get out of the car because I do not think anyone will be doing yoga because mm. we marketed yoga at 9 a.m., and six people were doing yoga, and one of those person wrote us a lovely review on Facebook, said she spent mm. the whole day doing downtown get-down stuff, yeah. and from then, I was like, all right, this is going okay. Yeah. Things are things are happening, and mm-hmm. people are showing up, and, and we're getting the support we, we needed. So let's go, uh, let's go around the room here for a second. Uh, Kate, what was the highlight for you? from the entire event? Well, I mean, everything was great, but there was one experience I had. I, uh, I went to get the band's pizzas, uh, the, the bands that Newlywed put together. I went up to Johnny's mm-hmm. Pizzas, and, and I was a little bit early, so I didn't really, uh, you know, I had some time to kill. So um, I was waiting in line, and one of the guys that was behind me had a macaroni knuckles on, and I also had a macaroni knuckles on. <laughs> and I was like, I like your knuckles, because we both made them at Franklin Square. <laughs> yes. And he was telling me how he traveled seven hours to come to Utica mm. that day, and he came because his old roommates were in a band from college, yeah. and they were one of the bands that's playing, and he hasn't seen them in a long time, and they were having a reunion, and he couldn't believe how cool this was, and he's never been mm-hmm. to something that's been outside, you know, and, and with live mural painting and all yeah. that. And then the guy in front of me turned around and said, oh, you're organizing that event? Well, I'm at Utica Coffee, and I'm with the organizer, one of the old organizers from the Utica mm-hmm. Music and Arts Fest, and she's so impressed with all the buskers mm-hmm. and then the lady behind the counter was like oh my god I've had customers coming in all day telling mm-hmm. me how much they're loving the uh, the music that's outside in front right now and it's just like within like four minutes like these three people who I've never met before in my entire life had three different experiences mm-hmm. um, from just either secondhand or their own you know what they've what they've gone to and what mm-hmm. they've seen and they're all so positive I know a single one of them and I was just like Wow, like this is cool. Like we <laughs> yeah. did this thing, and people are showing up, and you know it's a great time. I think for me, because um, I was, I went, I got to work at ten o'clock in the morning. We had the Humphreys McGee concert, and yeah. so I was kind of bummed out all day. I'm like, man, all this cool stuff's happening. Like all my friends are out, and this and that. And I was following along on Instagram and all that stuff. Uh, the best part of the day for me was probably going to the after party at Nail Creek yes. uh, with the Sook Cerullo Band, uh, you know, with mm-hmm. us and Creative Concerts, because that was finally the time of the day where after we got done shutting down everything at the brewery, that was finally after, you know, a long 14-hour day where I could finally, like, okay, cool, now I can hang out with my yeah. friends and check in on the day and see what's going on and finally made it, you know what I mean? So that was probably the highlight of the day for me. How about you? Uh, well, for me, uh, I think the high is tough. To be, to be full disclosure... Uh, I had been, I was in pretty rough shape on Saturday. I'd worked a good 17 of the previous 24 hours, so mm-hmm. my brain was all over the place. A lot of times when we do events like this, uh, I don't feel like I'm in the moment because I'm so, like, all right, mm-hmm. what else? Can I, can I go over here, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, talk to this person, go back up here, go oh, back to Oh, your mind you know? is, like, clouded, right? You're all yeah, over the place. You're scattered and pulled. So I didn't really give it much thought until I ended up at the dev 
at uh, about 10 o'clock with uh, my good friend of the pod, Eric Tuttle, and a lot of our close uh, main Utica friends to watch uh, Tim play with Murder Dream and watch... Uh, great band name, by awesome, the way. Great, yeah. great band name. Twin Speak and Draculatron. And I was a little concerned almost because so many people were at the brewery at Umphreys. I was like, I wonder if people are going to go to the dev because the Umphreys is going to draw so many people. The brewery draws so many people. I don't know why I thought that. The crowd was just as packed at the dev as it always is. Oh, it was God. a great show. I'm so happy to hear that. No, it was a great time. Um, the only thing I think that was a that may have been a little bit of a downer is by the time it got to the end of the night, people had already been doing get down, uh, get down, uh, downtown, get down stuff all day. I think people were waiting for Dracula Tron because they wanted to see him. Yeah. And it was, it was well, a long day. I don't even think I saw you. I saw Kevin walking into the, uh, to Nail Creek and that's when I was leaving because I physically could not stand yeah. up. Yeah. Anymore. I got, well, I got to Nail Creek like about 1231. Yeah, and about I was like, I cannot, even uh, be alive anymore. I need to go pass out in my bed for at least 12 hours. So, uh, Full disclosure, I stayed for about two songs from Dracula yeah. Tron before I said, all right, it's time for me to, to be out. Uh, apparently, from what I was told, I went home and went right to bed. Kevin knocked on my door to see if... I did. When to- I got home, I had to go... <laughs> I wanted to see if Sam was home. I had a question for him. So I go and I knock on his door and I see that his car is there. I see the lights on and he's not answering and I figured if he didn't want me to come in, he'd answer if he was in there, you know, doing work or something... So I go into his room, and he's just, like, passed out on his back with his head hanging off the bed. And I'm, like, making noise. I'm like, Sam, Sam. And he's just not even moving, not yeah. flinching. Like, I had to look at him to make sure he was breathing at one point. <laughs> I actually have one other great experience sure. from the day that I did not expect. You know, um, we're here in Maiden Utica, and uh, we got to meet the – I got to meet, anyway, the great guys downstairs at Grime Co. Yeah, awesome guys. Um, who I, I hadn't really known very well before, but they did the mural for us, and and they had their grand opening, and I was – the everyone was up here on the couches kind of, like, chilling mm-hmm. and recovering and recouping. I was like, I got to go down there. I got to see what's happening. So I went down there to the skate shop, and uh, I, like, peeked my head in the door – and a person who I, I sort of know secondhand, friend of a friend, was performing. Yeah. And uh, he was rapping. I think he goes by Craves is his Craves, stage yeah. name. Yep. And uh, so I, I went in, you know, and uh, it was insane. It mm. was so much fun. He was really mm. good. Um, and just putting his soul into this, these, like, these like hip-hop songs, like, on the ground, like... You know, just really like, I wish I could show you guys the motions and you could see them because he's like, his body is just like, you you feel it, you know? He's like performing. He that's, is performing. That's one of the things I've learned around here is uh, I've, I've known, you know, PJ and Caden, a bunch of the Grime Co guys, and all like the local Utica yeah. skateboarders. The Utica skateboarders know how to party. Yeah. Those guys know how to throw great. a party. They so know good. how to get down. Everything uh, I've ever been to with those guys is a blast. Well, we get into a lot of that during my conversation with Caden and PJ this week, so I'll, I'll leave some of that for them. We did talk about the live performance. I think that's not a terrible idea for them to have people perform in that space and make yeah. it more of a multimedia space because, as we mm-hmm. mentioned in the interview, we only skateboard like six months out of the year here at Tops here. It True. snows, it's nasty. Gotta wet. Got to have yeah. other things. Uh, I want to very quickly, before we get into uh, segment two, I just want to share something with you guys, you specifically, Kev, that I have not shared with anybody yet. This happened. Ha ha, Kate. Well, Plug your I ears. Share it with anybody yet. Plug your ears. So during the downtown get down, there was a band who played. They were called the Plastic Faction. They were very good. If anyone got a chance to to see them, good for you. If not, go to their website, Bandcamp, Facebook, Plastic Faction. Uh, now, we've talked about it on the show before. Me and Kevin played in a band called Blueprint slash Coercion for many years uh, in this town. 
It's been a long time since we've actively played in a band, though. Most people who know Kevin and I from the music world know us from a long time ago. I don't get stopped in the street. I don't. No one says, hey, didn't you used to play in a band around here? Yeah. After the show was over, the guys from Plastic Faction walked by. And one of the kids looked at me. He stared at me for it a couple minutes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, his, his name was Kagan, uh, Kagan Dewey, was his name. Great guy. Kagan stopped me and he said, hey... Did you used to play in a band around here? This never happens. And I said, yeah. A long time ago. He said, what was the name of your band? I said, it was the Blueprint, Coercion. He said, dude, I saw you at the Valley Brook once. <laughs> and, I, and I said to him. Shout out Kenny. Shout, yeah, shout out to Kenny. And I said, oh, well, yeah, man, we had a pretty, we had a standing a gig at the Valley Brook pretty much. Mm-hmm. We were there all the time. It's awesome that you came out to the show. And he stopped me and he said, this is going to be really weird. You wrote the words, keep it like a secret, on your guitar amp in duct tape, and it was a big moment for me. <laughs> he said that, and I didn't know how to respond. I've never had something... I can't believe you've held that story I waited for 48 it, hours. I waited it for this moment to tell you uh... the story. I've never had any... Like, I've had people say, hey, great show, whatever. I've never had any musician ever in my life stop me and say, hey, I watched you, and it made a difference. That was big for me. I think I could pretty much call it right yeah, now. That's it. That's yeah. all I've ever you wanted. Go home. Go, you once, once we leave the headquarters here uh, and we go back to the studio, I think you got to smash your gear. Burn like your guitar. Smash it up. It's mean, over. Uh, I don't know if I go that far, but you, you, <laughs> no. you made someone feel something. Like, that's I, good. No half measures, Katie. Uh, we've, went, uh, we've been a little long in this first segment, but before we uh, let Kate go off to do the rest of her routine for today, of things. I need to ask you on the spot right now, two days after it's over, downtown get down. 2017. Are we doing it? Of course we're Boom. doing it. I like it. Of course. I love it. See? Never ends here. We just Never keep ends. moving on to the next project. On and on. Kate, thank you for coming and joining us. Of uh, hopefully we'll be hearing more from you in the next few weeks. Kev, yeah. it's time to get on to the rest of the show. Uh, also, follow Kate on Twitter, at Rady Kylie. Rady Kylie. Yeah. Uh, all right, we'll be back to the show in just a minute. Thank you, Kate, and uh, Cliff will be here in just a few. No longer at the offices. Joined by Cliff Montoni. How you doing, Hi. buddy? Fantastic. Good to be here. Thank you for having me. Are you wearing a uh, an Apple Watch right now? I am. Good. I am. I always am. Good. You know this, man. I didn't know. I didn't know that when I was putting the show together today. Oh, really? I'm glad you're wearing that. We're gonna. Yeah, talk I'm a big about, fan. We're gonna talk about this. In yeah. A little bit. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Cliff, how you been, buddy? Good to see you. Fantastic. I've been seeing a lot of you in the mornings lately now that we're both back on early morning schedule. Yeah, actually, I'm on a later morning schedule. Oh, this is actually late mornings for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll start pulling your car in earlier. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) That I can do. I've been been pulling it in like right before 2 a.m., just dodging the ticket. This smart. Yeah, because I fall asleep. I'll fall asleep at like 1030. I mean, because I'm partying so hard before that, obviously. Uh, No, I fall asleep at like 1030 and wake up at like 145 just automatically and pull it in. Yeah. I texted a friend of mine earlier this week at 6 in the morning because I woke up, and I was like, God, it's so lame to be old. 
And she responded to me. She's like, I don't know. You were awake till six in the morning last night. I was like, no, no, no. I went <laughs> no, to no. bed at 11. I woke up at, at six. six. Yeah, yeah. You're just the only person I happen to know would be awake at six in the morning. Yeah. Um, I feel weird when the sun is up when I wake up now. Because, like, I'm so used to being up when it's dark. Mm. I'm like, oh, the sun. I like, I like waking up when it's dark out still. Yeah, it's I know nice. that's weird. It's kind of nice. Yeah, no. It's kind of nice. Uh, that's how you know you're old. Mm. Right Guys, there. Uh, I want to share with you uh, something that happened to me. Uh, a lot of times on the show in the past, we've talked about how I have weird interactions with people and places and things and animals. I have a weird <laughs> interactor with like the world. Yeah, yeah, you do. Strange interactions. <laughs> you do. Um, I had a strange interaction. It's been a while since I've had one of these, but I had a strange interaction today with a woman and her dog. Guys, you see this uh, this Band-Aid on my oh, hand? Oh, yeah, that's a okay. big Band-Aid on my knuckle. Mm. Uh, you can't see it on the podcast, obviously. It's a pretty solid-sized Band-Aid. Anyhow, I was walking from my car to the front porch today, and there was a woman walking her dachshund. Oh. Yeah, nasty, right? Look at that. Yeah. Jeez. Uh, her, walking her dachshund, and he was walking over toward me. I just opened the Band-Aid to show it to the lads here live. I won't take a picture and put it on Instagram. And the lady's dog is barking I, at me. Little dachshund. Yeah. He's barking at me. Now, I like dogs. So my first thought is, oh, okay. Hey, yeah. buddy. So I lean down, and I like, and the lady doesn't stop me. She doesn't say anything, right? Yeah. She says, "Hi, he's just, he's just friendly." You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I was like, "Ah, it's okay. I deal with these. We got dogs in the apartment. No big deal." I reach down and I put my hand down, and this little bastard <laughs> locks onto my knuckle <laughs> with his front teeth, and the lady freaks out because she obviously didn't expect this dog to bite me. Yeah. And I am not. I didn't make any response at all because I don't want to like. I don't want to make this lady and her the little kid she's walking with uncomfortable, like, right, like, right, like freaking right, out. Right, right. So I'm like, Argh. that was it. I just had to sit there. I'm like, oh, you, yeah, ah, I yeah. won't even call you what you really yeah. are because it's offensive, but you know what you are. You got a nemesis in the neighborhood now. A dog, man. Yeah. I got bit by a dog today. I told you, man, if a dog bites you, you got to bite that dog back. Right. He's very small. You should have got right down there and just yeah. chomped on him. Yeah. So, yeah, I got bit by a dog today, folks. If you see me on the street, you know. If I if I turn into I a wear dog, yeah, if you're you'll foaming know, at the mouth, yeah. it's me. Yeah. What's our what's what's the moon at right now? When, when should I expect you to turn? Is it full moon? It's not full moon tonight. Mm-hmm. No, I'll I'll check in your Apple out. Watch. Yeah, for of it. course yeah. I am. Yeah. God, we'll get to that yeah. in a minute. Uh, so let's get into uh, the major news topic of this week. Uh, major news topic everywhere I look this week. Guys, Hillary Clinton has pneumonia. <sighs> this this is the news story of the moment. Um. Why are we talking about this? That's a really good question. Because it's vastly, vastly, vastly important. All right. And it sticks with the entire narrative that's been going um, in the presidential race for the last bunch of uh, Mm -hmm. weeks to months. There's been what's been called a right-wing conspiracy where everybody's been saying, you know, Hillary's Mm -hmm. not well. She's not well. She's been, you know, she's had well-documented different, like, health issues, you know, Mm -hmm. different, like, kind of fainting and, like, having these coughing fits and whatever and different stuff. It's whatever. It happens to everybody. Uh, she's 68 years old, I believe. Yes. Um, there's there's video all over the internet of what happened yesterday at that 9/11 memorial where she actually like fainted and passed out, and it was so bad they had to bring her to where uh, her motorcade normally picks her up. Now normally the Secret Service would never bring somebody to a motorcade without the car being there, but they had to get her out of there and bring it over. And when you watch the video, you can very clearly see that she's like out. Her legs aren't working, and they basically have to like carry her into this van while they're pulling mm. her off. And they were saying that it's, you know, it's heat stroke or she was overheated yeah. or she's got allergies. Then they finally came out and said pneumonia. Um, 
there's if you get on the internet there's you know depending how far out on the fringe you want to go there's all sorts of different conspiracy theories that yeah. you know she's like literally dying that she's wearing leg braces there's different stuff of all different you know varying amounts of value depending on what you believe how much you want to buy in but what this really does and the real issue here is this highlights a recurring theme of Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign and her political political career as a whole mm. Where it's like, you know, if she's got pneumonia, why didn't you just come out and say she has pneumonia? Yeah. Why did you have to lie and say heat stroke and this and that? And then you only admitted the truth or, you know, what seems to be the truth uh, once you got caught. And that's the problem that people have been having with Hillary Clinton this whole campaign cycle. And the reason she's not running away, you know, ahead of Trump is because for as god awful as he is and for as ridiculous of a candidate as he is, her dishonesty and lack of transparency is a huge problem with people. Yes. And there's also the line of thought that makes somebody believe, you know, when she always undersells it and says, oh, it's, you know, heat stroke when it's actually pneumonia. If they're saying pneumonia, a lot of people are asking the question, whether rightly or wrongly, because of the track record, they're saying, well, mm -hmm. if they're saying pneumonia, then what is it really? And, you know, with a presidential candidate, she's 68, uh, Trump is 70 years old. If Trump gets elected, Trump will be the oldest person ever elected to the office of president. And, you know, when you get up to 68, 70 years old and the rigorous schedules and the lack of rest that these people have, you start getting into real questions about people's health. I mean, 68, 70 is below the life expectancy that we have here in America right now, yeah. but that's still well within the age range where people get very sick and die. I'm just going to throw this out there. For, the, for a guy who lived in New York City, take a shot, uh, spent a lot of summers there and didn't have health insurance, so I spent a lot of my time with walking pneumonia, it's very easy to get heat stroke and faint in lower Manhattan heat in the end of August. I'm just throwing that well, out Well, that there. was the thing, though, specifically. Yeah. I mean, it, it was September 11th. They were at the September yeah. 11th memorial. It's the middle of September. And most weather reports say that the, the top temperature was 80, and it was actually pretty breezy and mm. not much humidity. Yeah. Like, she's obviously sick. And, I mean, this, this level of campaigning, these people do an immense amount of traveling when yeah. you're campaigning for president and an immense amount of, you know, not sleeping in the right beds, maybe not having the best food all the time, not getting as much rest as you need, whatever, like that. So, I mean, that takes a huge toll, especially when these people... It would take a toll on any of us, and we're all 30. You know what I mean? Yeah. But when you take somebody out in that older thing, you know, there's real questions, you know, real concerns about these people's health. But again, it's one more time that her and her campaign have been dishonest about something. Okay. And that's the primary question that people keep raising about her candidacy is, can she be trusted to tell the truth? When we go back to a couple weeks ago, we were talking... We had almost talked about how it seemed that... Uh, Trump had lost his chance to get into this race. This sort of ties back into a larger narrative. This is what Trump had wanted is to uh, Trump's already had doctors come out and say, for lack of a better word, that he doesn't get sick. He has the best doctors and the best health. He never gets Tremendous sick. Doctors, Tremendous all the best health. doctors, all the best health. Yeah, his uh, immune system, too. In in response to the fact... Yes, it's true. If you've seen him, he's been out there a couple times, too. Like, when he was in Mexico, he was very visibly, like, on some pills. Mm. And, like, he yeah. was, like, sort of slurring his speech. And, you know, I guess they, they've been talking about him getting, like, some, uh, like, generic amphetamines and stuff to keep the energy up. I mean... It's crazy to think, yeah. but, you know, the health is a real thing. So if you're going to vote for somebody, you have to they have to make it through yeah. their term. And the sickness ties into the fact that these states that you looked at, these swing states where it seemed like Hillary was beginning to run away with him, are now, we're already getting a little bit closer after a bad uh, appearance she had a few weeks ago. And now this only, it certainly doesn't kill her campaign, but there's no way it does anything but negative, no. like bring any negative like uh, publicity to it. Uh, and again, Trump was really adamant 
pushing at that point. Why did she wait two days to tell people what was really going on? He's going to continue pushing those narratives because that's his only that's his best option right now is to really play up the fact that she cannot be trusted. Nah, see, oh, maybe, but I think his best option right now, if I'm the, if I was Donald Trump, I, I would quit and just take my money and run, but if I was <laughs> Donald Trump and I was going to stay in the race, I'd be out there, and this would be the one time if I was playing it smart, I would say nothing except for, you know, this is a really grave health concern, and I just hope Hillary gets That's, right. Yeah, I hope yeah, she takes fair. everything, and if, you know, she needs some time to get okay, I'll suspend my campaign till she's okay. Mm. And you play it like that, and you really sell the... I'm going to stop with all this bluster. This is a grave illness. And then it really drives home. That'll give people more concerns than going out there and yelling about this is something yeah. you need to be concerned about. Fortunately, he has almost no strategy and no. no character and no class. So I don't know if we'll actually see that. And if we do, it'll definitely be somebody else's idea. Mm. How do you, uh, if you're Hillary, what do you do to combat this? Do you get like some video out there? Are you like uh, playing rugby or something? Like you got to get like some video out here her doing something young and blustery. Well, so right? what they like, did, uh, so what they did yesterday is after she had to leave that 9/11 memorial event, and they put her in her van. Uh, they brought her. They didn't bring her to the hospital. They brought her to her daughter Chelsea's apartment, mm. and she came out two hours later and was waving. She's like, "Oh, hi, everybody. I'm fine." And she hugged a little girl who it was like obviously staged. This little girl, sure. like little five year old Hispanic girl, walked up to her and she gave her a big hug. Um, and then I was reading, because I was reading a lot about this on the internet, and you know what's crazy? When I first saw the headline, Hillary Clinton has pneumonia, after all the stuff we've been hearing about, like, these concerns with her health and hearing all the right-wing news pundits screaming about it, I get this sinking feeling in the pit of my stomach. Mm. Because I'm like, oh, holy shit, this might be the, the, the thing that starts to unravel it all for her, and we might really end up with this Trump asshole. But then, so I got reading, I fell into a deep hole in the internet last yeah. night. There's, there's people saying that it was a look-alike who came it's, out like her. Oh, man. And people are saying that it's a body double. And ABC News ran a headline very quickly yesterday, and it came down very quickly. But it's out there. I don't know if it's a hoax or not, but I did see the picture because somebody screenshotted it uh, that she had actually died. Oh, and so, like, the conspiracy theorist on the internet is like, Hillary's dead. They've got a body double. This is the New World Order, the Illuminati. And that was when I was like, it's time to go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is enough internet yeah. for one night. Yeah. But I would like to point out, William Henry Harrison, uh, one of our presidents, I don't know which number because I don't know that much. I think I should get enough credit just for saying William Henry Harrison. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're going deep right uh, now. He died of pneumonia 30 days into his term as president when he was elected in the 1800s. Yeah, shout I out. I believe when it was. Yeah. Shout out to William Henry Harrison. Yeah, old tippy canoe. Yeah, <laughs> shout out. Shout out. Pawnee, Indiana's finest. Um, yeah, man, so it's a situation to be monitored, but I think it is a news story, and it's an interesting thing. Um, I want to throw this out here as well. Uh, Hillary had an interesting quote this week, uh, since we're already on the topic. She came out and said that she puts a half of Donald Trump's supporters into a group she likes to call her, quote-unquote, basket of deplorables. Uh, now, <laughs> yo, she's catching heat for that, but she's not wrong. Right, she's and not wrong. And I'd say wrong. it might be above fifty percent. She's not wrong. Uh, now, it's hard to quantify people's opinions about things like this in a broad scale. However, there are a few independent research polls that have gone out and looked at these numbers, uh, specifically Gallup's Pew Research Center, uh, Routers, YouGov. They all asked uh, independently about people's feelings about race, religion, and ethnicity on both sides of these polls. Uh, across the board, a great majority of Trump supporters uh, hold uncomfortable views and unfavorable views about Muslims. They support the banning of Muslims in America, and more than 50% are more likely to have negative views on black people. Mm -hmm. So, 
Hold on, I'm shocked. Are you shocked? Are you uh, done being shocked? Yeah, I'm so shocked. They did it about uh, LGBT people as well. And yeah. there were like there was a fair amount of people, like 37% of Trump supporters who would mm-hmm. ban like LGBT people from yeah. immigrating to America yeah. as well. So like if you're gay, you can't come live in America. So, so these people are deplorable. She's gonna get beat up for it, but yeah. it's not true. Well, here, she's gonna get beat up for it, and whoever runs her campaign really needs to get on top of this because um, we learned w- through Mitt Romney that making sweeping generalizations yeah. and speaking in percentages, when high percentages, when it comes to mm. people across the aisle, whether she hopes to court them and get their vote at all, just watch your mouth. Mm-hmm. Just don't alienate people. There is nothing good that can come from her alienating what is essentially anybody. 25% yeah. of the voting population. Yeah. But yes, anybody. Only exactly. Tr- only Trump gets away with that. That's a Trump move to alienate yeah. a large group of... But like, as he does it, yeah. he excludes himself and makes his chances of winning slimmer and slimmer. Mm-hmm. Um, and and going on the offensive in this way is just not a good look for Hillary Clinton. Like She's got to keep her head above the fray on this yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Well, that was a that was a dogged talk about politics. The dog take y'all to school. Yeah. Dog days of summer. Yeah, great. All right, so let's get into it. It's the middle of September. You keep saying it's August. It is. It's yeah, it the is middle the middle of September. of September. Well, we got one more week before summer's over. Twenty second is the last day of summer. Well, the solstice kid over here. Solstice yeah. kid. Oh, yeah. I got all sorts of facts. Yeah. I got all the best solstices. All right, uh, <laughs> let's let's move into this week's uh, this week's interview. Um, I sat down with these gentlemen. Uh, I've known Caden and PJ uh, separately for a long time, but it was nice to put them together in context and have them sit down. Super uh, nice dudes. Super good dudes. Super good guys. Caden uh, Lauber and PJ Lang are two of the co-owners of Grime Co. Skateboard Shop and Art Gallery. Um, much like Maiden Utica, they have a very amorphous, hard-to-define hierarchy. So when I asked yeah. who the owners were, they gave me about nine different answers mm-hmm. and... Uh, and I think that's fascinating, and I liked it. And uh, they opened up their new shop on Two Bank Place uh, during the downtown get down. Uh, it's a really, really beautiful location. They're great guys. So we sat down today and talked with them for a little bit. So let's go to my interview with Caden and PJ, and we'll be back to the show after that. probably in the 2007-6 era, right? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe even before that, almost. I sort of thought of myself as a punk rocker guy. I played in bands. Uh, I hung out with a lot of the punk rocker like scene, if you will, in yeah. this area. And there was always a lot of crossover with uh, like the skateboard scene to a certain extent, right? Mm-hmm. I, I yeah. was into like the Blink-182 stuff like that. Yep. Um, so I always thought of myself, because I could not skateboard. I'm a horrendous skateboarder. <laughs> I have no coordination. But I always thought of myself in that community because I would wear the shorties t-shirt and the skateboarding <laughs> short, like the big yeah, shorts yeah. and the skateboarding sneakers and listen to Blink-182. So my question is, do real skateboarders hate that guy? Did you, did you, guys, did you guys hate that guy back in the... <laughs> it's tough. 
<laughs> it depends. I, I don't know. See, I always justified it because I was in a band. I was like, well, I'm not skateboarding, but at least I'm playing music. I'm sort of in right, the same right, thing. Right. But like, <laughs> I always oh. thought about that. And nowadays, it's kind of whatever. You know? <laughs> well, it's a different time now, I yeah. feel yeah. like. Uh, and, of course, we're here with uh, Caden Lauber and PJ Lang representing uh, Grime Co. You guys just reopened uh, this weekend during the uh, the downtown get-down. That's uh, right, did. How did the opening night go? Good. Good. Awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. awesome. Uh, now, when we have two people on the interview, it's sometimes uh, it's tough for the listeners to distinguish. So I'm going to start. Uh, I'm going to start by this. One of the things we like to do here is we like to come up with bylines. Uh, so, Kate, I'm going to start with you. What would you call yourself in terms of your position at Grime Co. and what you do there? Uh, I mean, co-owner, founder, co-owner. Um, I don't know. I anything and everything. Everything. Uh, and, uh, whatever and, needs to be done. And PJ, I guess same question for you. Um, I guess I would be co-owner as well. Co-owner. And I kind of just pick mm. up whatever he's not. Mm. You so know, you guys, really. are you guys the two? And Dave. So there's another guy. It's the yes. three of you guys. Yes. And, awesome. And Carlos too. Kind of, yeah, there's a, there's a <laughs> few of us working actually, together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a bunch of us. Oh. And... Wonderful. Well, that's awesome. Um, now, I'm curious only because... Um, I used to know a lot of the other guys who were involved in some of the smaller skateboarding shops. Were you guys involved in any of the other shops that have been open and closed over the years down here? I used to be relatively friendly with the Sovereign Upstate guys. And yeah. I don't know who else was around at that time before that, but... Well, yeah. there, was, there was the boardwalk. like The boardwalk, that's boardwalk. right. Way back yeah, in the oh day. My, that's old school. I but forgot yeah, about the boardwalk. Yeah, that's early 2000s. <laughs> right, yeah. That's, um, that's our inspiration. <laughs> yeah, really? Is it? <laughs> yeah, the Sovereign Dudes. We yeah, all, yeah, we, we know yeah. all those dudes. That was a shame. I love They're those guys. Cool. They're good guys. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but let's get into uh, let's get into a little bit of you guys' backstory because you guys are obviously close. You guys are friends. Uh, let's start with you this time, EJ. Okay. Um, where did you uh, Where were you born and where did you go to school? I grew up in Newport and I went to West Canada. Really? Yeah. Nice. Yep. So you're always New Yorker guy. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Born uh, in Utica. Caden, same question for you. Um, I was born in Rome. I went to, like, first first grade in, uh, no, kindergarten in Westmoreland. Westmoreland High mm. School, or whatever, whatever okay. school. And then I went to uh, Seattle for, like, four or five mm. years and came back. Oh, nice. Yeah. So you guys didn't so, really grow up together. You guys. No. Nope. How did you guys come into contact with each other? Skateboarding. Yeah. yeah. Skateboarding. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Probably, what, 2000. Mm. Nine or ten. Yeah, yeah. just from being at the skate park, you know, being around, it's like Mm. a ton of, it's just like the meeting place, you know? Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. See, it's such a fascinating subculture to me because I was always fascinated by skateboarding. But for me, I feel like sort of a a mainstreamer because in general, the first representation of skateboarding that was presented to me was like, like Tony Hawk, right? Like that's, that's what you get at the the X games. Right. Right. Um, and it wasn't until I started to work my way into music scenes and meeting people that I started to appreciate that there's, that this didn't really represent what skateboarding meant as a, as a greater, uh, culture. (laughs) Uh, and I think if you go back to like the X games eras, I think of like the 94 through the late nineties era. Yeah. Where do you, where would you say skateboarding culture is now compared to when it was in its like sort of most commercial mainstream? It's a tough question to ask, I know, but, like... Um, it's difficult, yeah. I mean, skateboarding has changed so, so much. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the X Games is really the, the first, like, commercialization yeah. of, like, skateboarding, I but, mean, that we know of. Yeah. <laughs> mm. I think going, like, social media and everything is just completely sure. blown out. Like, mm-hmm. Instagram is completely blown out skateboarding. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, like... Yeah, and now it's, there's talk of it being in the Olympics and... I'm crazy little, stuff like that, you know. See, that's less crazy though than than I think it maybe may have been ten years ago, right? Yeah. Like I well, think yeah. 
Now, when you look at some of the Olympic sports, like air pistol, it's like, well, skateboarding seems like a more <laughs> yeah. relevant sport than air pistol, but that's just me, I guess. Um, so you guys were, so you guys, I'm just trying to get a vibe for what it was like. So you guys were pretty immersed in the skateboarding culture, even going back to like high school and stuff. Yeah. 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 I mean, I started skateboarding when I was nine mm. on it. When, when I was still in Seattle, and then I, we moved back sure. here, and uh, not much of a skate. I mean, there was there was a better skate scene back then, I think, than there is now. Really? It's, it's yeah. weird. It's, I, it's hard to say because yeah. we're older, so we're I looking at it yeah. in a different way. Because I remember there, was, there did seem, before I went to New York City, and I always think of things pre-New York City and post-New York City. Pre-New York City, I remember there was always sort of a push to get a real skate park here. Mm. And, again, I'm not, I wasn't inside that scene, so I don't know how successful that push was. I know they built skate parks at yeah. certain points in times, but did people clam onto it? Did it become a thing? Or What's the time frame on that? Well, I'm, cu- I'm curious. Like, are there still skate parks open in Utica that people there's, go to? There's the there's, Utica Park. There's, yeah. is, is that's it still, probably the most popular spot that you'd catch anybody skateboarding in Utica. Is it still popping off still? Kind of. It was better. Um, it was in, but, on the mm. Court Street before. Oh, okay. Yeah, right on sure. Court Street where, where the City Hall is. Yeah, that I remember, I feel like. That was, uh, that was when it was actually, like, good here to mm. skate. I mean, we would get out of school and, like, just go skate. And then, yeah, we, I mean, PJ met up. I don't know if it was the same for you. It's like, pretty much go, yeah. you know, just meet up or meet mm. a bunch of people, then go skate street after and, I don't know, so, practice, you know, get better. Uh, so, PJ, I'm going to start with you on this one. Uh, we're going to go back for just a second. So, you guys were into skateboarding in high school, um, but I'm assuming you guys didn't expect skateboarding to be part of your career going forward, or was this something you always thought about? Did you always expect to be involved with it, or were you, did you go to college? Did you plan on doing something else? Um, or? I always kind of was into skating. Sure. Even when I went out to MV, that's mm-hmm. like all my portfolio work is yeah. basically all... <laughs> Skate related to the point where when I did my thesis, like Selden walked up to me, he's like, "I'm picking your your subject on your thesis right now. It's, <laughs> it's not going to be anything totally like in the realm of skateboarding." So, uh, but yeah, for the most part, my whole life. And Caden, for you, was there ever any other question? Was there anything else you wanted to do, or were you? Oh, man, I always wanted to be a pro skateboarder. But pro skateboarder. Things got in the way. <laughs> it's life. It's like, well. It, and I think in pro skateboarding is an interesting concept to be a pro skateboarder because yeah, um, I mean, like what what signifies being a pro skateboarder? Because I always think about like if you're a pro baseball player, right? You play for Major League Baseball, right? But if you're a pro skateboarder, is it just that you are getting sponsored? Really, you're making money. To, it's really broad at yeah. this point. When you're younger, you think of it, you're like, oh yeah, you're big time, you know, a pro skateboarder. But like. Skateboard, pro skateboarders don't make a ton of money. As I yeah. say, you hear about people like Bobby Puglia who's got pro boards and he's yeah, you know, like, couches in New York City. Yeah, they, they're just, yeah, I mean, they work full-time jobs still, mm. a lot of them, you know, and it's, mm. I mean, I don't know. But, I mean, I'd still, I'd, I'd do it if I could. Sure. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about the actual, uh, the actual storefront here. Mm-hmm. Uh, when did this idea come into concept? Because I, I went to your Instagram page, which is the first thing I saw when I pulled up Grimeco, and you guys have it listed as both a skate shop and an art gallery, which I think is a fascinating presentation. Was that always the idea to do more than just, like, let's have a skateboard shop, let's make it something more inclusive? Or what was the initial uh, um, thesis for this idea? Well, it's, it's weird, because for me, it, like, it goes back and forth, because uh, I've always done art, and I've mm. always like been uh, involved in the art scene, and so I'm just like, I'm also like just really into working for myself and trying to yeah. do my own thing. And uh, so I'm just constantly trying to like figure out how to do something mm. that I love and, you know, make it mm. work. 
Um, so, I don't know. We talked about opening a skate shop like a long time ago. Yeah, years ago. Yeah, and um, we just didn't. It, it just never happened. Yeah, just the opportunity wasn't there for us. And then. Um, but I think they both just go hand in hand. Yeah. And it yeah. just. It's hard in upstate New York to own a skate shop. Sure. Solely as just being a skate shop. Yeah. So yeah. I, think, I think having, you know, other other means of getting people through the doors. We always think about it, even from a, a weather standpoint. Like you can really only skateboard how many months out of the year in a place like this. It's yeah. not Southern California. It's yeah. yeah, it's yeah. It's <laughs> uh, but that's interesting, though, because it does allow you this option to be like, well... There is other things we can do here. Like even yeah. during the downtown get down, you guys had live performances. You yeah. had uh, apostrophe and, and craves were playing there that night. Apostrophe yes, apostrophe yes. Yeah, yeah, all right, cool. yeah. yeah. Uh, so you guys were still putting on shows. I think that's actually a, a nice way to do things. Make it more of a yeah. multimedia space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, it's like skateboarding culture is so like involved in everyday life now. Yeah, so it's, it's like yeah. it's hard to miss, and we we just want to be the ones mm-hmm. to bring it. You know. Well, that's a really fascinating point to me, actually, because. A lot of the things that I think in that era were considered edgy. Podcast people can't see me doing yeah. air quotes right now, <laughs> but uh, edgy. But like a lot of the things that were considered edgy back then are almost like passed mm. off as no yeah, big deal now. Yeah. Yeah. I always think I think specifically with like skateboarding, uh, tattoos in general. Like you can you can just have tattoos now; nobody cares anymore. Whereas ten years ago, people would say, "Oh, you you won't get hired if you right. have a tattoo." Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I, do you think that? And I guess to a certain extent, do you think that the stigma of skateboarding maybe is like, oh, skateboarder guys, what are they going to do? That, that's probably a little bit long gone now, right? Yeah. It depends. Depends on who you're asking, I yeah. suppose. Because yeah. you still get, I mean, you, we still get crap for skateboarding, you know? I, I run into I mean, it all the time when I'm yeah. filming. He's, he goes out and films <laughs> every banned, single I'm weekend. I'm from Cornell. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's... Yeah. Well, that's always that's always been part of it, though, right? When you're filming yeah. something, you almost expect to get hassled at any point. Yeah, well, yeah. I'm, I'm trespassing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, guys, what would you say uh, since with the opening of the shop happening? What was the most stressful part of actually opening up the storefront? I'm sure there was a lot of stresses, but I stress out a lot, dude. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if he I stresses mean, out as much, but if you're walking around Friday night, just. Not even knowing what to do. Yeah, man. Like, and at one point, one point, I just gave up. I was like, I'll just do this tomorrow. And like, I don't know, stuff still got uh, like was left undone. But just, just getting the place together. And yeah. Going from what that storefront was to yeah, it was uh, now and well, it looks great down there. And now that I've been in the storefront, I almost don't remember what it looked like before you guys fixed it, it up. It was just full of crap. It was yeah. just a mess, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you'd walk, like, because we've looked at this street before, yeah. and uh, we didn't even notice that place. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just like, you look at, you. it says that it's got a, had a pavia for lease, or however yeah. you say it, pavia, pavia. Oh, I know that the pavias are good people. Yeah. I'm, familiar. Yeah. <laughs> I'm familiar with the pavias. But, uh, so, so it had the uh, for lease thing, and then, like, you just look at it, and you couldn't see in, or, like, there are pallets mm-hmm. in the windows and stuff, and you're just like, you just don't even give it a second thought, you know? And then, um, I don't know, just came across it. And... Well, the store location down here on Two Bank Place, uh, down here in downtown Utica, did you want to stay in downtown Utica? Were you looking at regions, or did you have other concepts where you wanted to go? Did you want to stay down here? I, like, I want to be here. I, I want think, there to be, yeah, a, yeah. A, like, a state. There's never been an actual mm. legit skate shop in downtown, downtown Utica, yeah. from my knowledge. So. Yeah, not that I can remember. And yeah. what's fascinating about it is, during the downtown get down this weekend, which you guys were a part of, uh, is the first time I've actually done any extended walking from our our office space, which is right above you guys' oh, office yeah. space, <laughs> to the locations where this was going on. And as I walk back and forth from from here 
to Franklin Square, to Bag Square, and back, it sort of built a picture in my head of what could be, right? Like, it's right. The, it was the first time in a long time I was like, yeah, this is a nice walk down here, and yeah. there's a lot of potential for this location. I think it's a great, I think it's a great location for you guys, um, and I think you guys have done a really, really nice job with it. Thank you. Um, that being said, going forward, what would you like to see going forward with that location? Would you like to, if you were going to, would you like to expand larger? Would you like to bring more stuff in? Would you like to do more things with the location? Um, I definitely think we could get more product in the shop. Sure. Yeah. We want to get to shoes, pants, mm-hmm. dress shirts, all that. Yeah, mm-hmm. cater to more than just more than just t-shirts and hard sure. goods. So get more people in there than just mm-hmm. skateboarders. You know, like. Can we talk about the art gallery portion of this as yeah, well? Yeah, sure. I saw a lot of art hanging on the walls. There was some interesting Bowie artwork. Yeah. Where do you guys, who do you guys collaborate with when it comes to art stuff? Um, I guess that would be for me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, my mother actually is a big help. Uh, her name's Jan Burke, and she's, mm-hmm. uh, she's run some galleries in town before. And sure, that name sounds very familiar, yeah, actually. She's, she's done stuff all over yeah. the, I mean, in Seattle. And, yeah. And, uh, but um, she's got a lot of friends, you know, so we wanted to, for, for the, the Bowie and Prince show, we wanted to kind of have like a, a split generation type mm-hmm. thing, like uh, some older gener- generational artists and then like our people our age, you know, mm-hmm. and um, she really pulled through for me on that because a lot of my friends are kind of lazy <laughs> yeah, <quite>. <laughs> <laughs> or just have a lot of stuff going on, you know, and uh, can't really be a full-time artist, so yeah. Um, so she, with that one, she helped, and uh, I think as we go f- in the, into the future with stuff like that, mm-hmm. I mean, it'll be more organized, so that, yeah. so we can like really staple people down. It's like uh, it's hard to pinpoint the creative connection between like uh, skateboarding and art, but as I walked through the the store, and as we were at Franklin Square, and I was watching uh, Tony and everyone doing their their paintwork on the huge grime post sign you guys did, yeah, I yeah. saw you down there. And I, <laughs> I, I, you guys, it makes sense when you see it in action together. As, right. you, as you walk into the store and you look at the, at the setup and the material and the art, and as you walk through the, it makes sense, yeah. but it doesn't always seem like there would be that yeah. connection, and, I, and I'm, I'm fascinated by that to a certain yeah. extent. Um, I want to talk to you for just a second, PJ, about, yeah. uh, you were connected with Welfare Skateboards, is that your baby? That's my company. That's your company. Yeah. How long have you been doing Welfare? Oh, man, um, since 20... 14, okay. technically. Just like a little uh, passion project? I was doing. I was selling boards before that mm-hmm. with some homies from high school. And then, yeah, it's just kind of another outlet for me. Sure, sure. And design-wise, skate-wise, and um, filming, too. Wonderful, wonderful. All right, guys, I came up, uh, before we get into this week's lightning round, which uh, I do love to do, but I came up with a couple uh, things for you guys specifically because uh, you guys are real-deal skateboarders. So I looked up... On the internet, uh, a couple of the more famous slash uh, wealthy skateboarders in the world, or significant skateboarders let's from the past. I, let's see if I know any. Well, the, the game, uh, you should know most of these, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the name, and you're going to let me know if these guys are overrated or underrated for okay. what they've done, all right? Cool. We're going to start with number five. This was a name I used to see that popped up in every CCS skateboarding catalog that I used to get in middle school for years, and that was Chad Muska. Was Chad Muska <laughs> overrated or underrated? He was definitely overrated, dude. <laughs> he was definitely overrated. O- overrated. <laughs> overrated. Uh, this is an interesting one because I think the easy answer is overrated, but I have a hot take on this. Let's go with Rob Deerdeck. Um, mm, interesting. Depends. He's <laughs> overrated, overrated as a celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> but back like late nineties when cool. he was yeah. 
in his early 20s. I, I appreciate, I appreciate was, what all the all he's done for skateboarding, yeah. you know? But. It's a weird thing. It's like he seems like kind of a clown, but you're like, man, he's an important clown. Like, right. <laughs> uh, this one is a, sort of along the same lines. Uh, professional actor Jason Lee. Oh, underrated. 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 He's <laughs> the man. I'm glad about that. All right, still on stereo, stereo skateboards. Yeah. 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 Really? Yeah. Nice. Yep. Yeah, he was the man. Did you ever see Scott Pilgrim versus the world? Uh, I, oh, I started to watch it. <sighs> I gotta watch for, it again. Just for I, you I guys. Go watch Scott Pilgrim versus the world just because there's a character played by Chris Evans in the movie who is playing Jason Lee. Like, he's doing him as a character. It's, it's amazing. It's totally worth it, especially if you guys are into that. All right. Yeah. Number two, uh, I'm gonna say his name wrong Steve Caballero. No, he was, was right. The, he was the guy, right? Yeah, he that is. was the first skateboarder I ever heard of. He's not underrated or over. Yeah, he's just he's, he's a guy. He's a legend. Yeah, know? he's got the best song shoe ever. <laughs> he does. Right, so yeah. Vans cab. It's it's been around yeah, forever. Yeah, they're awesome. They're so, yeah. I, I I'm a sucker for Vans. I I know that there's billions of skateboarding sneakers, but I always go back to Vans on my personal brand. I can't help it. Yeah. yeah. Except for the fact that I'm wearing McBeth's right now. Don't tell Tom DeLong. It's okay. I got you. I'm wearing some. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And uh, we talked about this a little more. I want to talk about Tony Hawk for just a second. Mm-hmm. Right. Tony Hawk is mostly known for video games and doing the 900, even though that competition was already over and they just let him take a thousand attempts at it until he got it. Whatever. <laughs> Neither here nor there. Is Tony Hawk still matter in terms of skateboarding? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Just because he's, uh, I mean, he really cares about skateboarding still, you know? Yeah. And it, that's, that's all it takes. Yeah. I mean, he's not like a, he's, people don't, I'm he, not going to go watch rips. his video part, <laughs> he you He just know? dropped the part. Yeah. Oh, did he? Maybe I will go watch it. Maybe I will go watch it. From my perspective as an outsider, and I just would throw this up to you guys and see what you think about it. Growing up and watching the X Games and having that sort of be my first um, first exposure to like a skateboarding competition, I was always blown away by Burt skating. And then it wasn't until years later that I started watching more, and I was like, wow, really? The street skating is where the real uh, the real talent is, the real like nuance and art to this. And I always sort of felt like probably skate, the street skateboarders looked at Tony Hawk and were like, you sort of ruined this for, the, for us for a while, right? Like, yeah. And I don't know if that's there's true. Probably, but yeah. There's definitely that feeling yeah. among yeah. skateboarders for a while. Yeah. Um, nowadays, it's different, you know? Nowadays, Vert's kind of... Yeah, like, yeah now I don't even hear people... people yeah. Vert's almost dead. People are skating a lot it's, of pools more. As I say, transition, mm-hmm. bowl yeah. skaters are just nice. Yeah, killing that's, it. So that's, that's kind of big right now. They have their own, like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. and then the ones that people go just like Grant Taylor can skate everything, and then yeah. people I don't know. There's there's a number of people who just like kill it. Well, thanks for humoring me on that one, guys. I yeah, no, I funny. was I was gonna throw Bob Burnquist on there, but I don't even know if he's still Kill'd. a thing. Yeah, he's still around. Is he still yeah, yeah, it? Good for craziest part of you. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, so I want to thank you guys for doing the interview this week. We are gonna get into the lightning round, but before we do, just want you guys real quick. Uh, Instagram, you guys are at Grime Co. You guys are on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Grimeco, is that the... Uh, something like that. Grime yeah, space CO, mm. period. Uh, do you guys have Twitter? you guys have Twitter at all? I don't have Twitter. I just have my own Twitter. Just your own Twitter? Okay, cool. But uh, Instagram, Facebook. Instagram, Facebook. Go ahead. And also, if you guys are in the city, go down to Two Bank Place. Check out the location. Come say hi to the lads. It's a really, really great spot, and I'm excited for what you guys have uh, planned and what's going to be coming up there. So, let's get into the lightning round, and I'm going to start... These are five questions... You guys can answer them. Uh, it's the same question for both guys, so I'll start one or the other either way. Uh, PJ, we'll start with you for this one. PJ, in the morning when you wake up, how do you take your coffee? Uh, I do not drink coffee. No coffee <laughs> for no. PJ. Caden? Black. 
black coffee. <laughs> you know, for the first, like, six weeks we asked that question, nobody said black coffee. <laughs> Everyone was like, oh, I put a little bit of honey and some cream in it. But for the like, last three weeks, it's been all black coffee. All, bl- all, all black, black is all I'm getting. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> um, all right, so what was your first automobile? Let's start with you, Kate. Uh, I think it's a 91 240 Volvo. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ah. Mark Simon. Yeah. Mark, Mark Simon <laughs> in the back is very excited about that Volvo. He bought it for me. Yeah. Oh, did he? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, did it smell like mediocrity? <laughs> Boom! Oh! PJ, uh, same question for you. What was your first um, car? My first car was, uh, I shared it with my siblings, and it oh. was a wicked beat up Pontiac Bonneville. Nice. Yeah. That's old. <laughs> it's like missing a mirror. Mm. The front was all smashed. That's a power like, move. I like that. Yeah. How long did you ride that with the <laughs> Um, Not long. A few years. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, you may or may not have taken your first car to it, but what was your first concert, PJ? I think it was honestly a K-Rockathon. K-Rockathon. Oh, do you remember the year? Slash headliner? Uh, 2000, <laughs> early 2000s. 2001, 2002. All right. All right. Um, Interesting. I've never been to a K-Rockathon. It's a hot take. I'm sure Rain Man will be mad at me if he hears about it. But <laughs> oh, uh, For me? Uh, oh, well, for you. Please, go ahead. Um, I can't even think of who was there. <laughs> um, my first concert was... Well, without my parents, was real big fish. Nice. The ska band. Yeah, yeah third bunch, wave bunch ska. Other ska bands. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And that was in Rochester. That was fun. I was 13. Real big fish is, I'm glad you said that. Someone who was on the show last couple weeks ago said less than Jake. And we had this weird conversation about like, Jake. That, well, there, that was, <laughs> there was a period so of time long. when that was hot, when like yeah. less than Jake and real big fish and all that stuff was kind of cool. And now sometimes, oh, see, Thank now they're showing up at the clubs right at the end of the interview. Ah, sounds good. I like that. <laughs> Um, all right, so let's right. get into it. No, we spill lots of beer everywhere in the studio. All right, uh, give me, uh, we'll start with you in this one. Give me one book, album, or movie you are currently reading, listening to, or watching. Um, I'm listening to a lot of Elliot Smith, oh. uh, so whatever the, the basement one. Yes, yeah, basement on a hill. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I have a soft spot in my heart for Elliot Smith. It's so. killing me right now. It's sad. It's sad. Um, PJ? Listening to or watching? Listening to, um, reading, or watching? I don't know. I just watched the new Volcom skate video that just came out. That's All right. Really good. And um, <laughs> the uh, um, Lumineers new album, actually, I've been listening Lumineers. to. Lumineers. All right. I, I can get on the Lumineers. I do not know about that Volcom skate video. I'll have to watch that on my own. I'm going to take your you word should. and assume it's tight. You should. Uh, and guys, besides skateboarding, besides art, uh, give me one more thing uh, that you guys are passionate about in your lives. Let's start with you, PJ. Um, my dog. Your dog. My dog? Is it the dog downstairs? Yes. <laughs> Is it very I, handsome? I have to go get it. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a very handsome gentleman? Yes. Lady. Lady. She's a very beautiful lady. Uh, Caden? Uh, I guess I, I guess I'd say my daughter. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, so, so. Well, that's, I, I would hope so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, just to <laughs> hold your daughter. Give her a little shout out. Um, she's three. She's turned three. Three years old. Yeah. So. Is that, do you, have, do you have any free time ever anymore? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Make it happen. Caden, <laughs> uh, PJ, I appreciate you guys uh, taking the time to do the interview this week. Uh, much, much luck and continued success with Grimeco. I'm looking forward to seeing you guys here at the studio and downstairs. We'll be back to the show in just a moment. Yeah, yeah. Great work, guys. Excellent, excellent. That wasn't too painful, right?
once again to Caden and PJ. Go down to Rhymeco's uh, location at Two Bank Place or follow them on Instagram or go to Facebook and check them out. Great dudes doing cool stuff. You know what was one of the crazy things for me about that interview? Because uh, mm. I was in the room and you were doing it. Um, when Caden was talking about how he's got a daughter and she's three years old. Yeah. It blew my mind because I've always known Caden as like one of like the real young dudes around town. Mm. You know what I mean? Like in my mind, even though he's older now, like he's still perpetually like nineteen in my mind. When he said three year old, I really I find myself the older I get, the more and more I look around, taking stock of like, damn, we're all getting old. Yeah, we're always getting old. Well, I think uh, it's interesting here because we have Cliff here, uh, who has a deep connection to Zoomies, if I remember correctly, right? You were the yeah. Zoomies guy. Yeah. Uh, and Kev, you and I played in bands growing up, and I brought this conversation up to Caden and PJ. And the first thing I said to him was, I was like, I always felt growing up like a little bit of a poser because I wore all the skateboarding clothes, but I didn't skateboard, right? And I tried to ask him how he felt about that. But uh, skateboarding culture in general, I feel like, is different now than it was when we were in the middle of that era. I, I think it's like 2006, early 2000s era. Right, it was so much more mainstream. And one of the things we talked about in the interview is, like, the first thing I ever understood about skateboarding was the X Games, right? Right. So my first thought about skateboarding was vert skateboarding, right? When in reality, vert skateboarding doesn't really is like a niche, doesn't really pertain doesn't to pertain yeah. to the skateboarding right. culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's interesting to me though that a place like Grimeco exists here now when. In 2000, the closest thing we probably had was, like, there was a smaller place, like, Boardwalk existed, and they brought that up to me, which is the first time mm-hmm. I've heard anyone talk about that. Oh, yeah, Boardwalk was was a big thing. I remember when I was young, all the skaters went there. Yeah. Before Zoomies came in, Boardwalk yeah. was the only place you could go to. But I find it interesting that when Zoomies showed up, it was kind of a big deal that we got a, quote-unquote, like, skateboarding store, even if it was a mainstream skateboarding store. Well, I store. remember all my friends who were skateboarders, and that happened, were actually kind of bummed about it, because they're like, as soon as that happened, even the people at Boardwalk... You know, Mimer and his whole family and all those people up there, like, yeah, we're going to close. Like, the, yeah. it's not there yet, but within yeah. the year, we know that we will yeah. be closed and stuff like that. And it's crazy. And I remember that was a big push when Sovereign Upstate was open. Harley mm-hmm. and all those guys over there was like, you know, I mean, you've seen the, the you know, the anti-Zoomy stickers on skateboards everywhere. Yeah. Because just, I mean, it's just like anything else. When a big box store comes in and pushes out, like, local retailers, it's cool to see local people coming back and trying to, you know, do it. Because I think at a certain point... Uh, mm-hmm. A place like Zoomies got so mainstream that it wasn't just skateboarders yeah. anymore, but it was for that whole mm. look and that whole culture. But, Cliff, maybe you can tie into this. I think the reason that Zoomies existed in Utica was because the skateboarding culture was becoming mainstream enough to support having that, that store here, right? Having There's enough people who are interested in it where it seemed like a good business decision to open this store here. Yeah. The fact that Zoomies existed speaks to the fact that skateboarding was becoming more popular. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I worked for the company when there were 100 stores, and I left the company when there were 400 stores. Yeah. You know, so in that How time much time period, frame was that? Uh, about five years. So that's a four times over it's in five insanity. years. It's insane. It's total insanity. Um, and in that time, I can say that, you know, the company was still really small. Like, we mm. all knew each other. And yeah. we all saw each other multiple times a year. Mm-hmm. Um and we all knew the owners, and we all knew the buyers, and we were all, I mean, we were pretty tight-knit. Would you say that in the five years from when you started, when you left, it seemed like a different company by the time you walked out the door? No. 
No, no, no. Because people have this misconception that it was a skateboard store, and it right. wasn't. No, and it never no, was. No, that's exactly. And and that's the misconception. And the unfortunate thing, I had a I had a dude who owned a skate store, uh, threatened to throw a pipe bomb through my store. Like Oof. that was you know casual. Like, yeah, just a ca- he was he a meant psycho. a verbal pipe bomb. He's yeah, insult yeah, you. he was a psycho. But I mean, this is kind of a dangerous thing because people take their entire identity and apply it to one thing. Yeah. And mm. when that identity is threatened. They become really. It's like That's those people. Point. It's like when you get bummed that your band, like your favorite band, becomes popular. Yeah, it's like don't be bummed. Like that's, I right. mean, that's just the way shit rolls. Well, like, you that's just how it happens. You just said something that highlighted a point I was going to make about something Sam said a minute ago. When you were like, Zoomies wasn't actually a skateboard shop. Yeah. It was like a, a lifestyle for the skateboarding stuff. And Sam, when you were saying, you know, with Zoomies coming around, you were like, it's not because skateboarding itself got that popular. The lifestyle. I mean, there were certainly a lot more people who were probably skateboarding after Tony Hawk did his 900 and after the X Games and that stuff. But there were a lot of people, like you were talking about yourself, you would go get, like, you know, some skate shoes or some skate brand t-shirts or stuff without skating. The reason a company like Zoomies was able to expand was because I was in the same boat. I was never much of a skateboarder, but I still had, you know, my DC, my Etnies, my, you know, all the different stuff like that. And I think that's what really helped them grow is more casual people who aren't really, like, you know, lifers or who don't really Mm -hmm. skate still want to get in on that style, that fashion, and those brands and stuff like that. That's why a store like Zoomies can expand because although they did sell decks and trucks and wheels and you go in there and get your board set and all that stuff, at the end of the day, kids are in there for the shoes, the hoodies, yeah. the shirts, the jeans, the hats, and all that stuff. I don't really see, and maybe it's because we live on the East Coast too, but I don't really see like that's. I really loved snowboard culture because yeah. it was so mm. much more inclusive. Yes, like so much more inclusive. Yes. It was like hop on a snowboard and fall down the mountain mm. with me, and we'll have a great time. Much like, more chill. Snowboards are much yeah, more chill. Yeah, yeah. And I think if you go to the West Coast, uh, it gets the elitism becomes a little more apparent, um, but. It's definitely different from skateboarding. Um, mm-hmm. Skateboarding is so, very tribal. It's it very, yeah. People are very people tribal. People just own it. And the thing is, is that Zoomies peddled alternative culture. Yeah. Alternative culture as a whole. Like, there was also an entire department in our store that was motocross. Yeah. Um, yeah. But well, because nobody had that conversation. You yeah. know, like. If you talk about, like, back-to-school shopping, the kids that are going to, you know, Hollister and American Eagle aren't the same kids going to Zoomies. Right. And so Zoomies was a big-box store for that counterculture, for that alternative culture thing like that. Yeah. And I think a lot of people really responded to that. There's, um, there's a skate shop in Albany that uh, is still there. Um, and it came in right when... I think Zoomies was at its strongest and it's still there because it appeals to core guys who are loyal local guys and yeah. that's how they make their bones. That being said, uh, their Nike account is probably a big part of the reason why they are still there. Um, Same reason. We, so have, we have a local music shop here in town who has a Gibson account and Gibson, right. is, Gibson is to guitars what Nike is to athletic right. shoes. And because they still have their Gibson account, they've been able to stay open. Exactly. Even though, you know, there's guitar centers, not right here in town, but, like, you know, even still like that. So that makes sense. I mean, Nike made a big move. This is way off topic. Nike made a big move by uh, making exclusive content for local stores. And Mm. it was a beautiful thing, and it saved a lot of local stores. And uh, I didn't even know if they did that, actually. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. there's a lot of stuff that you can only buy from small mom-and-pop stores. Uh, or at least this is the way it was, uh, and and you could only get they had tiers, so Nike would only send exclusive merchandise to local stores. Well, that was in, that was in depth. 
got a lot farther to that than I expected. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's no, no, it's good. Yeah, yeah it's good. It's content machines out yeah. here. So let's move on. I have a little tech section here of stuff. A little tech sec. Um, yeah, he's looking at his phone Wait, right so now. Let, let, let Cliff put the tech section into his schedule on his yeah, Apple Watch. Hold on. Let me just well, add that in right now. Well, that's actually number two. Let's, we take that joint away from him. Let's start with a question for our <laughs> listeners out here. Uh, for any of our listeners out there, do you have a Samsung, a Samsung Galaxy Note 7? If you do. If you do. Stop using it. Was the, <laughs> was, was the actual tweet sent out by Samsung a few days ago regarding the Galaxy Samsung Note 7, which apparently has had over 35 document, documented cases of either setting on fire or straight up exploding. Uh, two of the more interesting <laughs> ones I read, uh, a Jeep exploded because a guy was charging his car, charging his uh, phone in his car, Ooh. thus setting the car on fire. The Note is not a phone. It's a tablet. Tablet. Well, there's a greater point to what I'm getting to. It's not just... Um, the idea here is that this is not totally common to just Samsung products. This is an actual pro- a problem that goes back to iPhones and every phone ever, and this is actually something to do with batteries. Apparently, the batteries on most cell phones that we own, uh, because of the way they're produced to hold charges, are incredibly volatile. So any oh, cell yeah. phone, in theory, could at any point in time explode or burst into flames in your pocket. Yeah. So keep that in mind, folks. I don't keep it in my pocket anymore. <laughs> I think it's interesting. Like, this is a new world problem, right? Like, this is something that, like, a lot of these companies probably didn't, like, plan didn't really for initially, right? Yeah. Like, I wonder how much, like, this would happen just due to chance. Because 35 is a pretty low number based on the units shipped. All told, yeah. But it's, well, the, the Galaxy 7, uh, the Galaxy 7 line is a new product. Yeah, but like I feel like thirty five is enough. Number one, companies as the very famous studies have showed, companies don't issue recalls unless their you know mm. their profit and loss statement showed the lawsuits will cost them more money than the recall will. Yeah, so they must feel like this is a big enough thing where like hey let's mm. stop it at thirty five before it's thirty five hundred to go so to go so plus explosion is like yeah really high profile. <laughs> yeah, I mean yeah. If, you, if yeah. you go to Samsung's Twitter account and you look at the the way they presented this recall. It's very, like, stop using this phone, please read this message right now, and go do what you need to do. Like, I, there's very clearly a larger problem here. Now, the only reason I bring this up is because, Kev, you have a habit of being sort of an Apple hater, and I do have some Apple stories, so I wanted to throw an anti-Samsung or anti-Android message out there first to let people know I'm not biased. Listen, I'm not an Apple hater, I'm an Apple realist. Um, <laughs> I'm not I'm not an Apple mm. fanboy who just gets the product because it's the look and it's mm. what all the other people have. I'm sitting have. right here. I'm just, <laughs> I, I gotcha. Well, Sam's one, too. He's another um, one, too. Well, actually, no, you, you bring up a good point because Apple had a, a pretty big event this morning in San Francisco, uh, and there were two major points of interest that came out of this event. One... Uh, Apple has pretty much decided to reformat where they're moving with the Apple Watch. Uh, it seems like m- going forward, the Apple Watch Series 2 is going to be themed more towards fitness. They're going to put gonna, a headphone jack in it? They're probably not going to put a headphone jack in it. The Apple Watch is going to be moving more toward the fitness market as a competitor against the Fitbits and the Nike Go bands, whatever that other one was, of the world, which is probably not a bad look for them. Uh, what they've sort of said, though, is that they feel like the expectations they set for the Apple Watch when they created it are not going to be met. Cliff, you have an Apple Watch. How do you do? You like your Apple Watch? Yeah, I have no real complaints. Mm. Um, I think I like it a lot because um, I Bluetooth my phone to like a speaker, mm-hmm. and so I can just change mm. the music on my watch. I can yeah. preview my text messages. 
Uh, those are the things I do with it primarily. Also, it does some fitness tracking, and it's not as in-depth as I would like, um, but, you know, that's first-generation product. Something I will say, um, you know, for full disclosure for listeners, me and Cliff have recently started working together. We've become work colleagues um, and I, I notice him using the Apple Watch all the time. Mm. I'll notice him just doing little stuff or he'll get a text while he's in the middle of doing something and just look real quick to see if it's pressing. And you're the first person I've ever seen really use it as more than just an accessory to be like, look at my Apple Watch. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm fly, so I don't... Oh, really, there we yeah, go. No. I tried to throw you a bone. Never mind. Yeah, I'm back off yeah. it. Uh, Apple Watch is a trash product for idiots. I... Well, I think <laughs> the, the interesting point of this, though, is... The Apple Watch, one of the things that the the, uh, people at Apple really wanted to put across is, you know, the Apple Watch was the first opportunity that Apple's had in a long time to put out a new product that could catch the market, right? Like, every update of an iPhone is just a phone update, right? Like, every update of the iMac is just an update of a product that already exists. The Apple Watch was the first, like, interesting, original, new product that they created, hoping that it was going to be a major seller, it probably didn't hit the way they wanted it to, but I still think it was a good move for them to do something ambitious, right? Even if they're yeah. scaling back from it now and sort of saying, ah, maybe it wasn't what we thought it was going to be. Well, they, they've certainly got the the goodwill of the consumers, and they've certainly got the fan base and the diehards who will, you know, blindly sort of go after whatever they do because they're comfortable with it, you know, whatever it is. So they had enough uh, capital built up with the people where they could take a risk. So yeah. good for them for taking that yeah. risk. And I mean, I like when I saw that Apple Watch, and still when I see it, even Cliff, like I see your uses and I see how people use it. And this might just be be me personally, but I don't think it has the the ubiquitous functionality for every single person that a phone does, or even an iPod does, or an iPad, or a MacBook. It just seems like one of those things where you might get your use out of it, but I I don't know when I would ever really use one or need one. And Samsung yeah. makes a watch too, and I have a yeah. I have a Galaxy phone. You know, I like my Galaxy phone and mm. this and that, but I just. It's one of those things. I'm glad they took the risk, but yeah, yeah. I was an early iPhone adopter, also. Yeah, me too. Um, so I was. I've been on board since day one. I'm always on board. There was one more major announcement from this Apple Expo today. Uh, it's very rare that Nintendo will drag one of its most famous uh, designers, Shigeru Miyamoto, out to do public appearances for no reason. Is that the Iron Chef? No, that's uh, Masahiro Morimoto. Shigeru Miyamoto is the man who invented, uh, or the man who came up with Super Mario, with Legend of Zelda, some of the more wow. popular video games of the last 50 years, right? Mm. Like, the most important video games people care about. He came out to the Apple Expo today to say that Nintendo is finally lifting its self-imposed restriction on using its major characters for mobile device games. Uh, in December, the first Super Mario game for iPhone comes out, which I'm just going to assume is going to be a huge success because... No, I actually, I saw something. I didn't know that this was a big deal, but I saw a preview for it. It's called Mario Run. Yeah, Super Mario it's Run. It's basically a yeah. Temple Run, but it's Mario Run instead of Temple Run. Yeah, but it looks like a Mario video game, so it doesn't look like... You're not behind Mario. It oh, looks like you're playing... It's side-scrolling, but That's you're cool. still yeah. doing the thing. Um now, this is in response to the fact that Nintendo's hardware sales over the last 10 years have dropped Trash. immensely while the market for mobile gaming is in a boom. So it really just looks like Nintendo is finally stopping its stubborn nature and embracing uh, cell phones as the next format for them to best sell their product. I think it's a good move. I'll t- it is a good move, and I'll tell you, um, this is, this is going to further pigeonhole me into the uh, probably like Apple hater world, but I think you look at a company like Nintendo... And I could see Apple turning out the way Nintendo was. I think what happened with Nintendo is they had so much unchallenged, dominating success 
from like when did Nintendo come out? Like 85? 84, 3. 85, yeah. 83, whenever. They had so much dominating success between then and between, re- I mean, for 10, mm. 15 years, they were the cream of the crop, class of the industry, and they rested on their laurels. And they were really hesitant to change what made them successful. Like, we're not going to change, even though the industry was showing them, you know, you got to change. These other people are doing things. And once they got lapped out so bad by Xbox and PlayStation, finally, like, we've got to change. You hope for Nintendo that it's not too late. Luckily, a lot of people who have that nostalgia for Mario Nintendo mm. products are hitting an age where they have disposable income, so well, it'll probably work. But Well, I'll say this, and this is actually the point that I think sells Nintendo's angle here the best. People do not care about Nintendo's consoles. They don't care about their consoles since Super Nintendo. What people care about with Nintendo is the licenses, the the intellectual property. Mario, Zelda, Link, Donkey Kong, Yoshi, Pikachu, uh, all the Pokemon characters, every important... I always forget that Pokemon is Nintendo. Yeah. Mm. You're talking about some of the biggest selling like intellectual properties when it comes to gaming of all Still, time. Still, when you think Still, video games, those are the first names that pop up. Those are the up. names you think there's clearly a way to turn that into a mobile platform and make it big money. I think this might be the smartest thing Nintendo's done in, like, ten years, honestly. So, uh, that's all the tech news I have for today. Uh, I have two more quick things I wanted to discuss with you guys before we leave. One, I have a history uh, lesson I learned today for you guys. Do you know that 63 years ago today, uh, JFK married Jacqueline Bouvier? Good to know. Yeah, they got married today. Course. Where, Bouvier? That was her name before she became Jacqueline, Jacqueline Onassis Kennedy. Where did the, where the hell did the Onassis come from? It's her middle name. Isn't it? I thought that was her maiden name. Oh, well, it's, well either way. That's what I learned I'm today. I'm pretty sure Onassis is the maiden name. Is it? Bouvier was Marge Simpson's maiden name. I don't know. I'm pulling this up on the internet. I read this today. Cliff, get it up, it up on your watch. Pull it up on the watch. Pull it up on get the it up on the watch. Very funny. Uh, when am I going to get the, uh, the, the revamped GoldenEye, by the way? When does that happen? That's a great question. You know what I mean? The people are clamoring for that. Yes, if the people are just me. uh, Oh, no, I hear about it all the time. People go nuts over that game. I remember people, all people used to love that game. I know. Well, so you and I and Sam sat and watched the uh, progression of video games cross-platform. Well, across across title last night. Right. FIFA making some strides. FIFA, a lot of... It's crazy, like, I say this a lot about, you know, movies, but all sorts of different things, but if you could take, like... Go back to some kid in 1989, plopping down in front of a, you know, like PlayStation 10 or Xbox Infinity or whatever that, whatever, that, whatever the hell's out right now, and you gave them like one of the top, like if you made one of those people play Bioshock after they were playing like Castlevania on yeah. their regular Nintendo, people's heads would explode. Yeah. It's, and it's crazy when it's shown to you from starting to beginning like that, that it's crazy to watch the progression that's going on. It's also crazy how far we can riff on this thing that's off topic. Well, Sam looks up this maiden name. Yeah, no. No, I'm there's really, a... There's <laughs> it, it, it is the go. same. He's no, I'm deep, blown away. Deep in Wikipedia I'm, I'm right now. I'm blown away because she was born Jacqueline Lee Bouvier. Yes. Uh-huh. But she's listed here as Jacqueline Lee Jackie Kennedy Onassis Any Bouvier. Okay. So there you go. Anyway, well, that's three years much. ago today... They got married, so there you go. There's your history lesson for the day. And I want to talk about uh, the NFL very quickly. A couple weeks ago, uh, last week, we talked about the Well, Colin... I'm done here. Good to hear from yeah. you folks. No, no, See you next um, week. <laughs> we talked about the Colin Kaepernick thing, about him having uh, his moment of protest and all the flack he got. Respect. Uh, respect. Uh, My jersey hasn't come in yet. <laughs> this week, a lot of players across the league have started to join in. There's uh, documented cases of players in Kansas City, Seattle, San Diego, and New Orleans all doing uh, either kneeling or protesting during halftime or the beginning of the game. Uh, the Miami Dolphins, though, I, I I never say this. Miami Dolphins are the real winners here. That's right. Mark it down. For the first time, 
1972. This was the statement that the Dolphins put on Twitter. We encourage all members of our organization to stand at attention during the national anthem out of respect and appreciation for the freedoms we are afforded as Americans. We also recognize that it is an individual's right to reflect during the anthem in different ways. We respect these liberties and appreciate the sacrifices that everyone has made in our country, especially on this day of remembrance. We hope today's events will continue a respectful and thoughtful dialogue in our community on unity, inclusiveness, and togetherness. That's their whole statement. That's a power move. That's classy. I, I have heard not one single person make a coherent, legitimate argument for why what's going on is wrong. Everybody yeah. who says it's wrong has terrible straw man arguments that make no sense at mm. all. It's it's fabric, and you're mm. not disrespecting the military, and you're not disrespecting the veterans, you're not disrespecting World War II just because you're taking a knee for the for the Star Spangled Banner. No, no, matter just fact, not, just not. You're just matter not. Fact, not. Like, you you yeah. could argue yeah. that's false equivalency. Yeah. You exactly. could argue that you're honoring them because we live in a country where you can have this kind of protest peacefully, right? Do you know what I mean? Like, the, these people fought for our right to make this statement, Why whether you agree with it or not. Get your silly rational logic out of here. <laughs> just sign up. I, logic, man. I know. I was going back to talking we about Jackie just Kennedy. A dangerously undereducated and distracted populace. Yeah, and they're all voting for Trump. <laughs> Great. They're called the deplorables. They're deplorables. <laughs> Why are they in a basket, by the way? What did I miss there? Hey, Bastard from don't, the basket. Don't count all your baskets until they're oh, my deplorables. Oh. deplorables. I, we're going to cut it right there. Follow Cliff on Tony on Twitter if he's ever on there. I'm not. And actually, Cliff. You'll never find me. Don't follow Kev Sullivan. He doesn't like it. Stay away from me on Twitter. At Uticast. Send us some letter. Uticast at gmail.com for all your mailbag questions. We will be back next week. Yeah, maybe. Probably. Unless I get pneumonia. You might have rabies. I might have walking pneumonia. I have walking rabies. Walking rabies from that walking rabies. Damn doctor.